Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience, new show for Mondays. I think I'm going to keep this one going forward. It's a combo show between football and golf. If you only want to hear golf, check the time code, fast forward to golf. I don't want to hear anyone be like, I told them for golf, but there's NFL as well. I don't like that. You know, you can go fuck yourself for one thing, but also, I mean, there's time codes. I've made it pretty easy for you to skip ahead. It's not usually the golf people who do that. It's more of the NFL people like, why don't you just stick to football? I do not care about the golf. Yeah, also, you people can go fuck yourself, too. Uh, Thanks for listening, by the way. Uh, I'm just kidding. I'm not about the go fuck yourself part, but about how this is going to be a new Monday show, the combo show. It's a short NFL waiver wire pickup and a quick look at the next tournament. This week, it's the CJ Cup for the waiver wire. It's the week six pickups. Uh, I've touched on some of the NFL stuff briefly with meeting. We kind of debated back and forth. So if you could help out the show by going to just every time you see a download, download the show. If you could please rate the show, that would be very helpful, by the way, uh, and leave a review. I'm going to be start. I'm going to start doing giveaways for the reviews very soon. So the more you can get in, uh, the better it's going to be for everyone. And if you've already left a review, thank you very much. I encourage anyone who is listening right now that hasn't done it, especially if you're listening on an iPhone, you just literally have to scroll to the bottom and hit five stars and you have no idea how much that helps out. And if you have a Gmail account uh, and you haven't subscribed to Mayo Media Network on YouTube, please go do that as well. Even if you don't watch YouTube, just getting those subs goes a long way to help. Uh, there's going to be a mid-roll ad in this one that I've recorded, which is kind of hilarious. I suggest you listen to to it uh, for the topic matter. But uh, I am going to start reaching out to different mid-roll places. If anyone out there actually does have a business they want to advertise or anything like that, reach out to the Pat Mayo Experience at gmail.com and get in touch with me. Uh, I'd prefer to keep it you know, within within the family of listeners, to be perfectly honest with you. I don't just want to do one of those generic, hey, use mattress company and use code Mayo. That's fine and everything. I would prefer to help out other people's businesses, people that listen to the show that are in the community or really if you have a golf business and you want to sponsor the golf show and get your ads out there if you have a football related thing and you want to sponsor the football shows just reach out to me and i'm sure we can work something out on that it's so much better than going through like a generic ad agency uh, and be like here's your script for the week for this week it's male pattern baldness or like dick pills i mean those are fun to do the reads for but at the same time if i can help out some of the listeners i mean at a cost of course but if I can try to you know, give you a deal on that and get word of mouth of your company out there, that would be awesome. I would like to help you out in that sort of circumstance. So the Pat Mayo experience at gmail.com. If you want to hit it out, let me know your feedback on this too. If you hate the idea of having football and golf mixed into one, despite the fact that they are time coded. Um, I just don't want to overwhelm your feed with like, 15 minute shows or 20 minute shows but i can just push these all together into one if you just want to watch them separately there's separate videos up on mayo media network uh but i will have the full golf show out on wednesday if it's just nfl you care about like i said the recap is already out on the audio feed and the video feed tuesday there will be rankings on wednesday there will be the spread show on thursday there'll be the DraftKings show on friday there will be the injury update and the rankings update and the sunday live show so you know Football every single day of the week, plus a little bit of golf, too. And if you're missing UFC, the Dogger Pass podcast is just on its own feed now. Paul and Cody are still doing the show, still hitting amazing winners. So please uh, go support that show as well. Go subscribe to the Dogger Pass podcast and leave a review up there as well. And if you're looking for, like, showdown stuff, uh, I have a bunch of interesting new short-form video up on Mayo Media Network on the YouTube page from different creators. Like, I... 
I said showdown is not my thing, but I went out and I got David Jones. I got Justin Freeman. They do a video for Monday Night Football and Thursday Night Football. Uh, so if you have 10 minutes and you want to get into showdown, they're really good at this stuff. They're both guys who've won giant GPPs. They you know, play showdown stuff almost for a living. They do content for a living around it. So I got videos from them that are up there. They're free to check out. Usually their stuff is behind a paywall. So go support the channel. Uh, you know, I won't be doing one of these huge intros every single week, but let's get on with the show. Twenty twenty week six waiver wire pickup power rankings NFL injury report and a little bit more in the comment section after you smash the like button to the video. What I want you to do is give me your favorite waiver wire pickup of the week. Any position could be a streaming defense, could be Andy Dalton. Who knows? We're gonna go rapid fire through each of the positions and all of the injuries. And if you want to play in the best tournament on DraftKings, only twenty five hundred spots this week, making it more exclusive. The Pat Mayo Experience DraftKings Listeners League. The link is now available in the description of this video and podcast. So please go get your spot early. Then you have all week to gestate on what you want to do. Uh, obviously, the DraftKings pick show will come out on Thursday. And with no Thursday night game this week, you have even more attention to really hammer down on how to fill out your roster. And if you listen to me, you're probably going to lose like I do. I, if I just listened to the FTN guys this week, FTNDaily.com, by the way, if you want to use the projections, get all the articles, code Mayo gets you a discount. Talked up Chase Claypool, and I was like, Chase Claypool, give me a fucking break. That's never going to hit. And then all of a sudden, people are winning huge bucks playing Chase Claypool. And I'm here using like Jeff Smith, who catches three of 11 targets. Thanks a lot, Jeff. That's what I get for trusting someone named Jeff Smith. You know what I'm saying? I did a recap show with Chris Meany that is up on Mayo Media Network right now and on the Pat Mayo Experience podcast feed. Highly suggest you go check that out. We talked through what happened on Sunday, our initial reactions. Uh, and we didn't really touch too much on the waiver wire. We had a little bit of a debate on some of the receivers. But at the same time, I wanted to give it a little bit more time to play itself out knowing the injury so this could be the template moving forward we do the recap on sunday nights and then monday afternoon i hit you with the actual waiver wire pickup power ranks if you want to find the updated list to the injuries and the pickups you can find that in the description of this video and up on dkplaybook.com i will update that again on tuesday morning and then tuesday evening uh, if anything changes guys will get moved around i'll even touch on the waiver wire if there is anything new to add with jake seeley on tuesday's week six ranking show Let's get into it, though. Uh, first up, we got the running backs, and one thing that Meany and I did not hit on on Sunday evening was the Dalvin Cook injury uh, that has propped Alexander Madison all the way up to number one in the week six running back pickup power rankings. Now, obviously, Alexander Madison is likely owned in most competitive leagues, but I looked over on ESPN and on Yahoo, and he is owned in less than 60% of leagues, so he has to make the list. That's how this works. Uh, I would like to be able to tailor the power rankings to your league specifically, but obviously, I don't know your league. You'd be surprised, like the wide range of questions I get of, these guys are available in my league versus these these guys are available in my league. It's like, oh, I can go pick up, I don't know, like Devonta Freeman still, or I literally have no running backs to pick up. I need to pick up a third string Browns running back. So this is just the way that we're going to do it. You can use the entire list. So the top 10 go Madison, Damian Harris, Cam Akers, Chase Edmonds, Justin Jackson, Philip Lindsay, Naheem Hines, Dearness Johnson, JD McKissick, and Latavius Murray. The Dalvin Cook injury appears to be a groin. This week, the Vikings are facing Atlanta. It's a nice matchup. Then they're on bye week. This is why I would think that Madison gets the start 
in week six, goes on by week seven, then maybe Delvin Cook can come back and play in week eight. Maybe not. Maybe this is a more serious injury. It seemed kind of strange that they put him back into the Sunday night game only to take him out again and then say, oh, yeah, this, this injury might be kind of serious. So, you know, idiots. Uh, I guess they needed to win that game. You put your best player back on the field. Hopefully you can win. Didn't make a difference. They lost anyway. Uh, but at the same time, uh, Madison's in a fantastic situation. Mike Boone hardly saw any snaps. You can find the entire snap guide to the Sunday games in uh, the waiver wire pickup column as well. I've been tweeting it out, posting it on Facebook. So it's very easy to find uh, if you do want to go see what the actual snap shares were for running backs for each team and go check that out. But there was a huge discrepancy between Madison and the Boone King. So Madison, if he's out there, like he's a pickup and play him for sure in week seven. That's why he's number one. Uh, Justin Jackson at number five. I'm very curious to see what happens in the Monday night game to see what the split realistically is between Josh Kelly and Justin Jackson, because as Meany and I discussed a little bit on the show on Sunday evening that, well, we do both think that it's going to be Joshua Kelly in this lead role. If it just turns out to be Justin Jackson as the 60 guy and Kelly as the 40 guy and that Jeff Jackson just assumes the Eckler role. Now, I'm not going to be the most super stunned guy in the world when it comes down to it, but uh, I'd say there's probably has like a 35, 40 percent chance of happening. But that still means it can happen. If you play in Yahoo leagues, sometimes, uh, depending on your league settings, they will allow you to go pick up players before the game actually starts. If you haven't played a player on your bench for the week, you can drop that player. So if someone got hurt or someone sucks just to begin with and Justin Jackson is still out there right now, just recommend you go pick him up. Why not, right? Uh, Alexander Madison's in that Latavius Murray situation, uh, although Murray is owned above the 60% threshold and for whatever reason Madison is not, I guess it's because he hasn't, he's kind of, you can't play him if Dalvin Cook isn't hurt. Just almost like, I guess there are weeks where you can play Latavius Murray if Alvin Kamara isn't hurt, but you never know which week that's actually going to be. I guess with Michael Thomas missing the Monday night game that maybe Latavius Murray gets a little bit more of extra run, but you still don't know that. You know Kamara is touching the ball. You don't know that Latavius Murray is going to touch the ball. It was the same with Madison, but now that you know that Madison, Murray, and I guess Mike Davis are the three most viable handcuffs, uh, it doesn't look like the injury report saying that Christian McCaffrey will return in week six. He could could return in week six per the injured reserve, but I guess he's still too injured. The four to six is still playing itself out for its injury. So another week of smashing Mike Davis, who's been fucking fantastic so far this season. Uh, just continue to ride with Mike Davis. Uh, Meany talked about him being a sell high, but unless you can get like supreme value for him, most of the offers you're going to get just aren't worth what Mike Davis is actually worth. Like even for one week of Mike Davis, where he's a you know, top 12, top 10, top five running back, depending on how it's going. He's if he went on this pace the entire season and just play and Christian McCaffrey didn't exist, he'd be on pace for over 150 receptions. Like he's a top five fantasy running back without Christian McCaffrey around. But he said he saw someone trade him straight up for Julio. Yeah, that was a deal that I would end up making, but you're not going to, people are going to be offering you peanuts for Mike Davis at this point, knowing that Christian McCaffrey is going to come back. You're best off just holding on to him. Uh, and if McCaffrey's out you know, another three weeks instead of another one week, then all of a sudden you get you know, six total weeks of a running back one. It worked out pretty well in your favor. That's what you want out of a pickup. That is the optimal situation, realistically, that you picked this guy up. He did everything that you thought that he was going to do. No one took away his carries, and when the starter comes back, the, the starter comes back, he goes to the bench, and you're never really pressed to have to play this guy again, because I don't see it being a 50-50 split. It could be, but I would just say that's very highly unlikely when you have an offense that seems to run through one back, and your one back could be Christian McCaffrey. Seems pretty sensible to me that that's what Matt Rule would continue to do in this situation. Uh, J.D. McKissick, I had at number nine, like I had mentioned. Uh, in this situation, um, 
this is a very deep league PPR play that if you're going to do it, uh, he did actually receive a ton of work from Kyle Allen in two minute drills after Kyle Allen left uh, from Alex Smith. It does appear like Kyle Allen is going to get the start against the Giants in week six. He'll have recovered from his arm injury. There is no ceiling to J.D. McKissick. It's unlikely that he'll ever score a touchdown. But at the same time, you can probably pencil him in for like five to eight targets a game. And if you're running in a deep league and you're decimated injury or you're dealing with new bye weeks that you hadn't accounted for yet because the Chargers are all of a sudden on a week six bye when they were not projected to have a week six bye, that if you tried to plan out your team, well, I have guys to cover this week and guys to cover this week, that's at the fucking window at this point. So someone like J.D. McKissick is someone that could potentially get you like eight to 15 points, depending on how good his receiving week is. If he can make one guy miss and turn one of those catches into 30 yards, you're looking like not bad at the position where most guys that you pick up are just literally going to get you two points. So McKissick does have some value. Um, again, with Latavius Murray, I had to take him off the power ranking list. Uh, I initially had him in at number 10. Like he's someone who should be owned in your league, like in terms of viability this week, <clears throat> it's doubtful that he, like I said, he's ever going to have like substantial run. Now, if Alvin Kamara didn't exist, he's a top five running back, just like Madison's going to be a top 10 running back without Delvin Cook around. So you need to own him on your team. You need to have that bench spot for Latavius Murray because there are only a handful of running backs in the league. It's almost the same as like I have Tony Pollard at number 15. Like if you're, you know, you're not going to pick up and play Tony Pollard, but he should be owned over someone like, I don't know, Wayne Gallman, who I have a bit higher, who, you know, I project to score slightly more points next week that that's what makes pickup rankings really hard it really depends on your team so just think it through just a little bit and go with that route wide receiver pickups for the week i still have t higgins at number one claypool at number two mvs at number three marcus feld is scantling solely because alan lazard is still probably like at least a month away from returning at this point i don't think it's just going to be the Devonte adams robert tanyan show as we go forward uh, although you know tanyan's a pretty decent pickup right now especially with the packers through their bye week you get these guys all around Devonte adams is probable to return in week six he's practicing on full on monday uh, after that preston williams christian kirk Henry Ruggs, uh, Chenault, Nikhil Harry, Zach Pascal, and everyone's favorite guy, Travis, uh, the Jail of Fulgham. Don't know how sustained his production is going to be moving forward, but uh, listen, uh, as I told Beanie on the Sunday evening show, I'm prepared to be wrong on this, but that's just not an offense I really want to be investing in, uh, especially when all of the pieces start to return. Once you get Deshaun back, once you got Alshon back, and once you know Hightower is running more routes, or Sega Whiteside gets mixed in more, and then Goddard's back, eventually there just become too many players that you see the snap shares decrease, and then all of a sudden, what are you left with? Not much. I'd rather take the chance on the other guys that they can develop into a more sustained role they're going to be more consistent every single week after that it's like your regulars hardman uh traquan tim patrick russell gage the bees cole beasley keelan cole greg ward i do like this colin johnson guy on Jacksonville, just after going back and watching that game through again, he was a first look for Gardner Minshew a lot of the time. He's a rookie. He's obviously getting more ingrained into this offense. DJ Chark is banged up. No word on whether or not he's going to play in week six. I think that he probably will play, but we'll see how that goes throughout the week. Uh, he just seemed to be incredibly athletic. He only ended up catching three passes but he was just a first look a lot of the time and you know, when you're talking about deeper leagues guys that are completely unowned he is a guy who is completely unknown so whether he turns out to be something or not if you play in a 14 team or a 16 team league and you're shooting for upside Jacksonville is a team that projects to be down a lot in games and having to throw and if he can pass Cole and get on the same level as Chenault and DJ Chark or if Chark misses time he could develop into the, like the third option or potentially even the second option or even the deep option on this team because 
because a lot of teams are just double teaming Chark right now that he could draw a lot of one-on-one coverage, get down the field and just have big strike capabilities. Uh, so he's a wait and see kind of guy. But if you do play in a deeper league, you might have to go get him now for a buck before anyone really catches on to what's happening in Jacksonville. The full scope of injuries, Deontay Johnson got hurt. No word on whether or not he's going to be back and how much his absence was tied to Chase Claypool having a bonanza game. It does seem like you're playing roulette a little bit with these Steelers receivers week after week. We just saw Juju do nothing. Do we expect Juju to do nothing next week? I mean, I don't know. When I'm doing my rankings, I'm sure that I'll probably have Juju ranked the highest of the Steelers receivers, but he's going to be a little bit lower on the pecking order because it just seems like in any given game, it can be any one of them. Like if James Washington outscores Chase Claypool next week, that's incredibly viable, put it that way. Uh, So it's a situation where it's going to be a wait and see that if you start Chase Claypool after he scores four touchdowns and he ends up with a one catch for 11 yards, uh, you have yourself to blame for that one. It's probably going to be worth the risk to put him in because of his upside, but at the same time, you can't just be relying, well, that guy's a wide receiver one now that guy's a wide receiver three now no he's going to be incredibly inconsistent so just be aware of that before putting all of the beans in the middle of the table here and just pushing all in on chase claypool uh, definitely a pickup for sure no one's not saying that i have number two in the pickup power rankings just be cognizant that he could be relatively inconsistent when it comes down to it sammy Watkins hurt his hamstring dj chark hurt his ankle aj green hurt his hamstring chris hogan is getting an mri today on his knee michael thomas is not playing Monday evening because of disciplinary reasons it looks like Mike Williams will play in the Monday night game that's still about 50-50 right now AJ Brown expected to play in the Tuesday night game if that game definitely goes it looks like it is definitely trending towards playing but you never know what happens on Tuesday morning uh, no Tredavious White in that game either so AJ Brown and decent play Humphreys and Corey Davis both expected not to play both on the COVID list and then the guys uh, who did not play around bye week Julio Jones no word on him yet for next week but it did look like he was close this week so I'd probably expect him back for week six. Devontae Adams should return. Alan Lazard's going to be out for a while still. Then you have the Godwin, Deshaun Jackson, Sterling Shepard, Brashad Perriman, Alshon Jeffrey, Brian Edwards here, where we're just waiting and seeing what's going on with their injuries at the moment. Uh, They should be back sooner rather than later, you'd expect. But hey, Deshaun Jackson's been out since week one, and every week it's like, oh yeah, he's probably going to play. Then he doesn't play. So uh, until he's actually back, I probably won't believe it. Not that you should be too concerned about Deshaun Jackson anyway. Tight end pickups. Right now, I got Schultz, Tanyan, and Jimmy Grant. Those are my top three, and those are probably the three that you need to go pick up. After that, it's like Eric Ebron, Logan Thomas. Uh, I got Mo Alley-Cox still on there, although Trey Burton has ran the most routes and been the most productive of the Colts receiver. I just think that Mo Alley-Cox is the best. But at this point, unless you're playing in a super deep league, there's no reason to run him out onto the field because he's not scoring fantasy points at the moment. And then Greg Olson at number seven. But every week in Seattle, it could be someone else. could be Hollister. could be Walt Disley, as we saw on Sunday evening evening so Schultz Tony and Jimmy Graham and even Schultz it we're back into a wait and see situation of what's actually going on with Andy Dalton will he prefer Schultz will he prefer Blake Bell will he not want to throw to his tight ends like Dak Prescott did so uh, it's a tough situation to be in quarterbacks Dak obviously out for the season with his ankle injury Cam could be back next week Darnold could be back next week Drew Locke could be back next week and it looks like Kyle Allen will start in week six against the Giants for the Washington footballs. The big one to watch out for is Baker Mayfield. Took that shot at the end of the game, ended up coming back in. People are comparing it to the Sam Darnold injury from the Thursday night game where he got injured, ended up coming back in the game. Now, Baker already said he's playing because he ain't no wuss. His family didn't raid no wusses. 
But at the same time, he could be dealing with like a separated shoulder that we don't know about. He's going to get MRI on that. The MRI came back on his ribs. They're fine. So now it's a shoulder injury, a throwing shoulder injury they have to worry about. The line in that game is only three and a half for the Steelers right now at DKPlaybook.com or DKSportsbook.com. DK Playbook is where you find all of the content, uh, my content at least in terms of written work, also up at FTNDaily.com too. Those two places for football stuff. But if you wanted to make that bet now in the off chance that all of a sudden, no, he can't play in case Keenum is playing quarterback, uh, maybe that isn't that huge of a difference in your mind, but Baker has been really sharp in pocket awareness. And he looked really good in that game before he took the shot to the shoulder. I've actually been quite impressed with Baker. Uh, Frankly, I'm stunned that he has shown this much improvement year to year. Maybe it's just getting Freddie Kitchens out of town, bringing in Stefanski. All of a sudden, you just, and just improving the offensive line in general, but he's dealing with that pressure a lot better. He's biding time. He's using his legs a little bit more and looking downfield, utilizing the amazing weapons that he has around him. But if he is dealing with a shoulder injury, the Steelers defense is not the one you want to be going up against. So all of a sudden, like, what do you think that line could be with an injured Baker or an in, or, or Case Keenum just starting? Like six? six and a half, seven, um, if you knew that. So maybe everything's fine and Baker is fine, but it is just something to monitor going forward. Uh, the best quarterback pickups I have for the week right now, I got the Fitzmagic in another revenge game, like 90% of his games. He's at home against the Jets. It's funny. In a potential smash spot against the Seahawks a few weeks ago, two weeks ago to be exact, uh, Fitzpatrick like didn't play well but scored like 26 DraftKings points anyway. So it's a situation where he just keeps churning out great fantasy weeks week after week regardless of the matchup. It feels like he's going to go pumpkin sometime soon, and that's always the worry with Ryan Fitzpatrick. But in this matchup against the Jets, who stopped nobody, you got to roll him out there. He's a top 10 option this week. I have Andy Dalton at number two. Now, he's probably the better long-term pickup when it comes down to it because he's going to be starting in this offense the rest of the season. Anytime that you can grab a quarterback who's going to have to throw 45 times a game because their defense sucks so much, it's a guy that you want, especially with the weapons that he has around him. And he gets the Cardinals this week, who you you can pass on, no problem. And they're probably going to be putting up points against this Dallas defense, taken to the air once again for Andy Dalton. So I think he's a viable top 12 start this week. Kirk Cousins against Atlanta, Tannehill against Houston, Gardner Minshew against Detroit, all like low-end QB1, high-end QB2 options. If you're in a pinch, they're available. You can go pick them up. I would say Stafford's on that list against Jacksonville, but he is above the ownership threshold right now. Uh, Week six defense rankings. I got New England against Denver. New England was dropped a lot because they didn't play this week. So depending on your league, you could just see them floating out there on the waiver wire because people had to make a last second change to drop them for week five because they didn't play, pick up another defense because, you know, the Denver matchup was so enticing. I don't care if it's, you know, Cal Ripken Jr. playing quarterback or if Drew Locke ends up coming back. It's a nice spot for the New England defense, especially with a week of rest and probably getting Gilmore back and Cam back for this game, which they wouldn't have had in week five. So they're the number one pickups, Miami, Washington, Tennessee, Green Bay, Arizona. I'll probably throw the Giants onto that list too. I'd really hammer down on my defense rankings after a lot of the new data has come out on Tuesday evening. So I'll try to update those and my defense rankings in the rankings column once they come out on Tuesday morning. Uh, That's one that tends to get adjusted a little bit because they look at new adjusted sack rate numbers. And now that we're so far into the season, I can actually isolate by like last three weeks, quality of opponent, quality of opponent against offensive lines going up against to see who is actually dialing up realistic pressure and not 
not just, you know, playing Houston every single week and be like, oh, yeah, they got to the backfield. They're great, great defensive lines. Like, no, they played the shittiest O-line of the league. Like, let's take that one out and see how they do against the other team. So that data tends to come out a little bit later in the week. I know that's not super helpful in terms of going to pick up your defense. But at the same time, uh, I would really want to hammer down on who the actual sleepers and waiver wire pickups are. I usually hit on those mainly in the DraftKings show on Thursday, if that's a route that you want to take, because I have all the full data at that time. Then I have the salaries next to him. Most of the defenses that I find that are cheap are the ones that are still available on your waiver wire as well. So just a heads up on that one. Um, yeah, that's basically it. Uh, the only tight end injuries that I forgot to mention, Jared Cook looks like he's going to play on Monday Night Football. Tyler Eifert left the game with a neck injury. Noah Fant could be back for week six. He wasn't going to play in week five, but he could be back for week six with his ankle injury. Jordan Akins missed the game with his concussion, although he can cleared concussion protocol. They didn't play him. Uh, we'll see if he comes back for week six. And Dallas Goddard, uh, he didn't play again. We'll see when he's back. Could still be a while for him. As guys, so much of our identity is wrapped up in our hair, from how it feels after getting a fresh cut to the way it's perfectly styled before going out. That's why we get into our 20s and 30s and start noticing the first signs of hair loss, it definitely feels like panic time. Because let's face it, no guy is ever ready to go bald. Thankfully, now there's Keeps, the simple and easy way to keep your hair. Did you know two out of three guys will experience some form of male pattern baldness by the time they're 35. The best way to prevent hair loss is to do something about it while you still have hair left. You can get treated from home. You used to have to go to the doctor's office for your hair loss prescription. Now, thanks to Keeps, you can visit your doctor online and get hair loss medication delivered right to your home. They make it easy and deliver your medication every three months so you can say goodbye to the pharmacy checkout lines and real awkward doctor visits. And prevention is key. Keeps treatments typically take between four to six months to see results, so it's important to act fast. The sooner you start using Keeps, the more hair you'll save. Find out why Keeps has more five-star reviews than any of its competitors, and more than 100,000 men trust Keeps for their hair loss prevention medication. Keeps treatments start at just $10 a month. Plus, for a limited time, you can get your first month free. If you're ready to take action and prevent hair loss, go to keeps.com slash mayo to receive your first month of treatment for free. That's K-E-E-P-S dot com slash mayo. K-E-E-P-S dot com slash mayo. On to golf. Twenty twenty CJ Cup early preview. Quick research, and the, the picks will be coming on Wednesday. The Pat Mayo Experience full DraftKings pick show for the CJ Cup will happen on Wednesday afternoon, so please tune into that. But in the meantime, smash the like button to the video, and in the comment section, please give me your early lean for who's going to win the CJ Cup this week. And if you want to really dig into the stats, everything is now loaded up on FantasyNational.com. If you go to FantasyNational.com slash Mayo, you get yourself a 20% discount on all of the tools, all of the stats, which are highly customizable, the lineup generator, the simulator, every Thing that you want to know. And this is a really tough week in order to really dig into much because the CJ Cup normally played uh, at Nine Bridges in that weird island off South Korea, Juju Island, I believe it's called, where the Ninth Bridge is 
metaphorical, but obviously due to COVID situations that the PGA Tour is remaining stateside, except for that quick quick dalliance into the Dominican Republic. But uh, this year it's going to be in Las Vegas, just like last week's tournament and next week's Zozo Championship is moving to California, uh, not to Japan. So we're going to be dealing with some first-time courses on the docket. This isn't really a first-time course because that Tiger versus Phil match uh, happened here as well. So let's just jump right in to what's going on. Let's take a quick look at the scorecard this week. There's only 78 players in the field. Uh, It's a no-cut event and expected to start. I mean, I don't have the official tee times as of yet. But I would expect the first tee time to be like 11 a.m. Eastern or even later on Thursday. So you'll have plenty of time to get up on your research. Again, fantasynational.com for all of that. 7,527 yards as per the official scorecard. Par 72, it looks like number 11 might be a bit drivable, especially at elevation. So uh, when you really look at this, I I don't even really know what sort of skill set we're looking at. And we're back to the sort of event where is a really top end field. We'll get to the field here in a second. We'll get to some of the odds, but it's kind of crazy. Just the name power. Each of the top five players in the world are competing this week. So, and we'll see Tiger again next week at the Zozo in, I believe it's just outside of Los Angeles. I'm not even sure where it is. I haven't started my Zozo research yet. I'm, I'm really hammering down right now on what's going on at Shadow Creek in Las Vegas and trying to really wrap my mind around this. Uh, I'll have the full information, obviously, in the Wednesday show, but I just wanted to kind of get out ahead of this and just see which players are playing well right now and where we should be looking for and the type of players that we should be targeting for this event. So if we go back and take a look at the scorecard once again, you'll see one, two, three, four, five, only five par fours, less than 450 yards. You have a full complement of the par five. So I'd imagine the eagle rate is going to be pretty high on this list. And we just go over and look at the course details as well. Uh, we'll see, you know, you have your average green size of 5,500. It's just below uh, average. So a bit of smaller side of the greens. And then if you look at the bunkers, 74, number of water hazards, eight, but it's in play on nine of the holes. Uh, bent grass greens as per the GCSAA tournament fact sheet. It's a phase design um course owners mgm resorts international and actually weirdly this year i was it i, I don't even really know how this works Should probably talk to my contacts at DraftKings about this i thought DraftKings was the official partner of the pga tour but for whatever reason the broadcast has teamed up i believe with mgm this week to provide live odds during this we saw this at shadow creek last time during the Tiger versus Phil match where they were updating it. And then the commentators really had no idea what was going on in terms of the odds. We saw this last week on PGA tour live as well. When someone said it's like, Oh, to win this three ball, it's plus two forty, And the commentators like, well, that means you have to risk $10 to win 240. It's like, nah, that's not how that works. That is incorrect. So I always get a good chuckle when the commentators who know nothing about gambling are starting to talk about gambling lines. I'm happy that gambling is getting integrated into the broadcast. That's step one, just getting it there. And then we can figure out how to actually do the broadcast and properly integrate it at a later date but just getting it in the door just a foot in the door is step one to all of this so i mean if nothing else it should provide some unintentional comedy when some people are trying to break all of this down it's like oh here's this one putt from 
Brooks Kepka, and oh, he lipped it out. That changed his odds from six, plus 1,600 to you know, plus 1,800. That means you know, if you had just wagered two seconds later, you could have won an extra $3 million, or yeah, I don't know what the hell they're going to say. But it's going to be something to that effect, and just it'll be kind of humorous for people that, you know, if you're watching this show, you probably know how to bet on golf. But let's just jump into the field then. Um, like I said, it's going to be a tough week to really figure out, especially in these star-studded fields uh, where you have all of these players. The DraftKings pricing is out already. Um, we can sort by salary is all up on fantasynational.com right now. If you want to check it out, Rom, Dustin, Justin Thomas, Rory McElroy, Xander, and Matthew Wolf all above ten thousand dollars. I can actually imagine Matthew Wolf not getting the sort of rub here uh, at ten thousand dollars, despite the fact that he came second last week, came second at the U.S. Open. But just where he's now priced around Xander and Rory and above Cantlay and Brooks. Brooks is back actually for the first time since his injury. We'll see how he plays. It's kind of funny to me. I saw him at twenty-five to one very early on when the odds first opened. Uh, all the guys are like severely depressed this week in such a strong field with a a limited number of participants and no cut. Uh, That's going to be tough to figure out. But at the same time, like Brooks at 25 to one, it's kind of strange to think about only because let's go back to Memphis where, you know, he has played well in the past. And that's when he was just was kind of in a funk of not playing well. And they had him at 35 and 33 to one against an equivalently difficult field at a course where he had played well before. Now at a course where he has no course history, at least in competitive golf coming off an injury and he had not been playing well before that he's now 25 to one against basically the same field. That just seems really strange in terms of for me. I guess people are just lining up to go bet Brooks. No Bryson this week, no Tiger this week, but like I said, Rom, Dustin, JT, Rory, Xander, Brooks, uh, Morikawa is in the field as well, Finau, Berger. It's a pretty top-heavy field. You have some guys who played overseas last week. Uh, Tyrrell Hatton coming off his win at the BMW Championship at Wentworth, one by four. He is in the field. He's $9,600. Uh, what else do we have here? Fleetwood was overseas last week. Fitzpatrick was overseas last week in his hilarious comments about Bryson. Then Bryson body bagged him, but then Bryson shot like plus three at the easiest course going. Uh, so fun times with Bryson. I don't think we're going to see Bryson again until the Masters, uh, shockingly enough. And then you have a bunch of bums from last week who missed the cut, like Scheffler, who I was on, Ricky Fowler, who I was on. Not even that huge of a price decrease for Ricky Fowler. He was like 9,000 last week. He's 8,100 this week. At least he can't miss the cut this week that that's kind of nice to figure out victor hovland's back in the field so was daniel berger we haven't seen them since the u.s open uh both elevated prices just because we haven't seen them if we go back and look at the past 50 rounds and just kind of sort by strokes gain total berger's actually second tends to play really well on bent grass courses as well along with bermuda he got his win earlier this year uh, at the charles schwab that was on bent grass uh, so that's kind of encouraging to see uh, although you know historically over the past two years he's been bad like you know below average on bent better on POA than anything else. Uh, The putting has just kind of been hit or miss. You see the U.S. Open, that was on POA, gained a bunch. The Northern Trust, I believe, yeah, the Northern Trust was bent in... Boston, so he gained six there. Bet the next week lost a little. That's the one decent thing about Berger is that you know he hasn't lost more than one stroke since the Sony uh, in back-to-back weeks of very poor performances. Then you have to go back to last year's Houston Open. But generally, he either gains a bunch on the greens or loses a minimal amount. And the ball striking has been pretty good. He's lost it off the tee a little bit recently. What I did want to do is go back and check in on last week to see how maybe some of the under the radar guys did or who just did really well in ball striking. 
taking poor Matthew Wolf. That's t- I bet on him twice now uh, in the past four weeks, and he's come second both times. Neither once with an each way. This time not with the each way. Fucking party Marty Laird out of nowhere. Uh, used him on DraftKings. Did not bet him. Should have bet him. Shout out Kenny Kim, who I do believe did bet him. Uh, that's a really nice guy. There's a few people who were on party Marty throughout the course of the week. So uh, good to see someone win. I'm sure you know everyone would be sitting there just like, oh my God, if Austin Cook had ended up winning, uh, that would not have turned out well for anyone. If we just look at overall approach for the coach, Jesus Christ, Stuart Sink, minus 10. A very poor final round for him. Uh, Scott Piercy, uh, Vegas guy, ended up 7.1 strokes gained. He ended up eagling out on the 18th hole. Uh, that's a you know big part of that. Yeah, a couple guys for the week. Justin Sue just continues to play well. That's two top 10s for him now in his past three starts. Did it at Corrales, did it last week. Uh, Martin Laird, John... Uh-huh. Haven't seen him in ages. My two like favorite nickname guys, second and third for the week. They're not in the field this week, but Han and Huh and Sue. Uh, three guys to really kind of keep on your radar moving forward once we get back to our like regular swing season events. Uh, not these sort of like all-star no-cut fields, because next week at Zozo is also a no-cut event. Zach Johnson continues to strike the ball really well in terms of his approach. Uh, Zalatoris, you know, a T5. The guy is really good. Uh, I don't know if he got his card or not. I don't know how many people tied for fifth. I think it was three. Uh, there was some weird special exemption that would get him enough FedEx Cup points to pass the 150. I think he may have gotten there, but not. Who knows? Eventually, CT Pan's going to turn this around. The irons have been good for a while now. But at the same time, oh, well, look, at the same time, like his driving sucks and his putting has sucked, but the irons continue to be really good. If we can get him in a weaker field, maybe the RSM is a good spot for that. Maybe Bermuda, if that's still on the schedule, just a shorter course where an iron player can kind of go wacko. If Brennan Todd can play really well at a course, uh, CT Pan can as well. Let's see here. Sergio, the ball striking was really good again, but he went back to his normal putting and his normal around the green play. So he did not win. Ended up in a T for 43rd. Uh, Bryson. Uh, oh, wow. Bryson, you know, the driving was definitely going to be there, but it lost it on the approaches on Saturday and just couldn't get it back. It's Cantley that I really want to go look at here because he's in the field this week. Gain minimally. I actually want to go dig into him a little bit deeper just to see what happened with him in the final round. If we just load up his round by round. Let's see, at the Shriners, he was just a disaster across the board on Sunday. I don't know what happened to him. That's been a theme for him recently when you look at it is that he keeps putting together this one three pretty decent rounds and then this one round that is just fucking horrendous it happened at the pga championship it happened at the u.s open where else was it uh the uh the second playoff event when i was on him that week at the really hard course olympia fields was that the bmw yeah the bmw championship where he was good for three rounds and then just a disaster i believe it was on saturday this time it came around on sunday it's funny because he was the guy that i was sweating with my wolf tickets like oh just don't go run away with this patrick can't lay but let's see he did you know he had four rounds in a row that were pretty good you see yeah just one at the u.s open a disaster one at the bmw championship complete disaster at the northern trust had a bad round at the pga championship one bad round it seems like he is pretty close these are pretty decent numbers in terms of ball striking wise in terms of short game uh the off the tee stuff has been a little bit hit and miss which is really strange for patrick cantley if we just go to his overall player card and we can just kind of see his long term generally he's you know been really good off the tee historically you know gaining you know, a stroke and a half per event over his past 90 tournaments in his past 90 like just for the course of his career like even if you just kind of take a scroll you know sometimes he does very poorly off the tee but it's not 
know, a lot, but generally speaking, you know, three, two, three, four, two, four and a half, two, five, three point five, and then you see him now, it's like point two. Point three, one. He's not getting to those levels that you want to get him to in the ball striking department. The putting's been good. The around the green's been good. That's great. Uh, but overall, for the course of the tournament, we're just not seeing it. And especially last week, like the driving wasn't good outside of round two. The approach in horrendous in round four. He was able to overcome a bad, like a, just a neutral approach round. Cantley is going to be on my radar this week. Uh, if we go to. Let's take a look here. Where are we going to go to? We're going to DKSportsbook.com and check out the odds for this week. I'm going to sports A to Z. Let's go to golf. Where the hell is golf? CJ Cup. See what the opening odds are on DraftKings Sportsbook this week. Obviously, where I'm from, I cannot play. Dustin, Rom. What is Cantley? See, Cantley is only 18 to 1. Those aren't great odds. Uh, Xander's 14. Rory's 14. Justin is 12. It feels like a very high-end guy is going to win here. Uh, it might be a decent week to get back on Morikawa, 26 to 1. I know I bet him last week, uh, and he keeps. I bet him at the U.S. Open. I bet him at, <laughs> at Shriners last week, and it did not turn out well at all. But let's just see. Tita Green, he was fine. He's been fine for his past three rounds, Tita Green. It's been the short game. The off the tee was really bad round one at the Shriners. I remember he almost shanked one out of bounds. But look at this. 1.7 lost on the greens in round one, 1. 1.6 in round two. Now, Morikawa is not a great putter. We know this. And maybe he's trying to work through something on the greens. But the approach has been good. Overall, the ball striking has been in the positives every round since round two of the BMW Championship. He is an elite player in the world. He tends to play better on bent grass greens. Uh, it might be a time to get back on Colin Morikawa at 26 to one. Uh, you might be able to find an even larger number out there if you really wanted to. Let's take a quick look at some of the guys who missed the cut last week. Go into Shriners for a second. Actually, we can go back into it this way uh, for players who are here. How did what happened with Fowler last week? So Fowler, good off the tee, horrendous on approach, minus 7.5. That's not good. Hideki, Hideki Matsuyama, let's go his round by round and see what happened to him. Hideki, 9,200 bucks. You know, overall, he rates out really well. We'll just see how he ended up doing last week. Minus 1.5 gained in the first round, lost on approach in the second round. That's not very good. Who are other guys who played last week? Get Berger down at 33. Fleetwood coming off like the really bad loss uh, two weeks ago. Um, and then played pretty well at the BMW Championship. Obviously not as good as Hatton, because Hatton ended up winning. I, I don't know what to make of some of these guys coming back from overseas. I don't know if they're going to kind of be gassed coming off the biggest tournament in the European Tour calendar. It's kind of like their, their Players' Championship, the BMW Championship, that maybe he's a bit gassed uh, coming off of two straight tournaments overseas, then flying back to Las Vegas. We'll see how that ends up going. I wonder if there, any, if there is any kind of correlation to... Do you want to take guys that had played in Vegas last week at the Shriners to get a tune-up, get adjusted to the elevation changes that are up there? I don't know, uh, to be perfectly honest with you, if that's a route that you want to take. Let's go look at Louis. Answer, Louis, Scheffler, and M, and just see how they ended up doing last week. Well, I know how they finished results-wise. We take a look at M. He ended up, let's see, oh, good putt, really good tee to green almost the entire course of the week. The short game, the putting kind of let him down a little bit. The around the green let him down. Positive off the tee. The approach, good. Maybe Sungjae's turning a corner here. 
All right. So Sung Jay is someone to keep. You always like him more on Bermuda than you do on bench. Just when you look at the terms of his results, let's go take a kind of look at his history. Honda, uh, first place finish, Bermuda. Bermuda at the Sanderson. Bermuda at the Arnold Palmer. Not sure about the Zozo. Third at the Arnold Palmer. That's Bermuda. Bermuda. Safeway is Poa. Wyndham is Bermuda. That Canadian Open in Hamilton was Poa. Corrales, I'm not sure. Phoenix, Bermuda, Wyndham, Bermuda, and then you have the Amex, which is Bermuda, and the Charles Schwab, which is Bentgrass, the Tour Championship, Bermuda. So uh, maybe it is a defined split. You can see that his putting splits on Bermuda are much better than anywhere else, and some of these shorter courses really do play well. But the fact that he's gaining back off the tee, now that's also relative to the field when you have some of the best drivers in the world back in the field maybe he won't be as good but that's really interesting to see let's see what happened with iron chef he's now back two weeks since coming off the covid list uh last week bad on approach that's two bad weeks on approach after like just a glorious run through the end of the season for him the off the tee was still there though i wonder if that was just one really horrendous round or maybe it was Let's see here. Strokes gained approach minus two in the first round, but he covered it up with, you know, decent putting, lost putting, then gained on approach, but just minimally. Not a great effort from him overall in terms of the approach. He's lost in four of his past six rounds. Don't like to see that too much. Harris English missed the cut last week. Let's see what ended up happening with him. We'll just go to his round by round to try to figure out with him. Bad short game last week. Good off the tee. Has now not gained on approach in each of his past four rounds. The putter left him a little bit too. Generally a better putter, as we've seen uh, over time. It's either he figures out the course or he does not have the course figured out whatsoever, uh, as we can see with his stats. But... Uh, maybe I'll be off Harris English. Maybe his run is a little bit over. Just trying to find a sleeper from down in this field is really tough. Uh, like Rose was overseas last week. Maybe just go back to the Todd father. He just kind of fucking pops up every single week. Lowry was overseas last week. We haven't seen Woodland in a bit. No good. Spieth is here. At least he can't miss the cut this week. Siwoo ended up popping a little bit last week. Why was that Siwoo? Well, he putted the fucking lights out in the final two rounds. That could be why. Sh- strokes gain short game. Yeah. When you gain four strokes around the green, you're going to go up. The ball striking in the minus everything that he gained on saturday he lost on sunday so that's been very hit and miss for siwoo that's you know part for the course for siwoo maybe this is a situation where he can get himself back into it i'm curious to see what his odds are for the week where is woo tommy fleet wood uh 90 to 1 for siwoo kim probably not good enough for me just looking down this list this could be a connor's course maybe he doesn't quite have the distance off the tee to get there steel Maybe it's time to go back to Champ now that he's 175 to 1. The guy tends to win every single year. So, uh, what has Champ been up to? Did he even play? Yeah, he did play last week. He must have missed the cut last week. He was playing with Bryson and Wolf in that first group. Um, let's see. Decent round one. Couldn't gain on approach. Yeah, it's been kind of a rough go for him. The putting is, oh my God, has been fucking brutal losing over a stroke putting in each round going back to round two of the tour championship good god cameron champ uh maybe he can get it back together this week if he starts putting well we know that we've seen him kind of just you like whenever he finishes well he played well at the pga championship gaining a whole bunch of strokes putting he played well at saint jude gaining a whole bunch of strokes putting so as long as he's not like a disaster on the greens he can challenge 175 to one's a big number in a no cut event for a guy who does have elite skills off the tee as you can see here like he's just been bleeding strokes on the green but when it goes right for him it tends to go pretty right you know two and a half two through 2.4 
3.6 in the overall splits. Bent is by far his worst putting surface, though, but he just tends to putt well everywhere or putt poorly everywhere. So maybe it could be like a J.B. Holmes type situation. He's a really shitty putter overall until those moments where he isn't anymore. Let's just take a look over the last two months uh, and just see who really rates out well in terms of T to green. I'll try to build a model once I do a little bit more research uh, throughout the course of the week. So T to green over the past two months. Uh, let's go by average per round. Uh, let's see. Dustin killing everyone. Wolf, Bubba Watson, Keegan Bradley. That's interesting. Let's go take a quick look at Keegan. Finau, Connor, Siwoo, Kokrak, Rom, Henley continues to be up there T to green wise, ball striking wise. Dustin, Wolf, Bubba. I'm not going to bet Bubba, am I? Jesus. I'll take a look into Bubba, too. What has Keegan been up to? He played really well at Sanderson Farms. He ended up with a T4. First time he had gained... Yeah, it's like the Sergio situation. Like, you finally gain strokes butting, uh, and all of a sudden you're inside the top five. Uh, and the ball striking has been back for him recently. Gained both off the tee and in approach in each of his past three tournaments. That's encouraging to see. Uh, missed the cut at Safeway, but almost got there as well. The problem is he can putt you out of a tournament, but where there's no cut at this event, he can't putt you out of the side of the cut line in this tournament. You'll continue to score points. Bubba... Uh, yeah, man, the Bubba's ball striking has been fucking excellent recently. Just the putting has been a disaster. Um, even with him, yeah, again, another guy who's just bad on bent grass, but could it be one of these situations where he flips around the putting? Who knows as it pertains to it? So that's my quick look. Uh, hopefully you got something out of that just by me kind of talking through what I'm looking for this week, looking at the DraftKings pricing, looking at the stats from last week, who's been playing a little bit better. Again, I'll have my full show on Wednesday uh, as I really dig into the research, really, you know, and have feedback from my guest as well. I haven't booked a guest yet. We'll see who we get for that. Maybe we'll talk about some of the Scottish Open. So we'll run through the DraftKings pricing. We'll get some of the betting odds for the week and try to project out forward a little bit and even talk about how to construct your teams in a no-cut event. Because uh, I didn't even mention, even if we look at here, that although there are 78 players in the field, if you look at the bottom end of this field, uh, where this is still technically playing by the same rules as it was happening in Korea, you're going to get a lot of players you've never even like, Tahi Lee, uh, and just a bunch of like Korean players, Asian tour players who, you know, aren't really going to compete all that well. Hey, Tom Kim, he's back um, in terms of being at the very top end of the PGA Tour. So uh, when you just go by the bottom of the pricing, somehow Tyler Duncan and Jim Herman, like Tyler Duncan's a good player. Uh, he should not be the min at six thousand. Maybe just play Tyler Duncan, Andrew Landry, the Gooch. Like they're better than these types of players from like the Asian and Korean tours that are coming over. So I think there's probably like six or seven or eight of those guys. And you can almost treat it like the old dudes at the Masters or the guys who just randomly sneak in uh, for whatever reason that come around from like the worldwide rankings that you don't necessarily need to play them, like the AMs, that you can kind of cut out 10 to 12 guys from the very bottom of this field and just don't even consider them. One or two could pop. They're like, they're not going to win, but one of them could have like a top 20 and could be in the optimal lineup. You're legit going to have no idea who those guys are going to be. Not that we know who's going to win every single week anyway, but you can almost tell that these guys just push them aside. Don't consider them. Continue to cut out the play. Like you need to find a way to trim down your core as much as possible. Just throwing those guys out. Generally the best place to start in a no-cut event. I'll look into Xander because uh, it is a no-cut event. Hideki because it's a no-cut event just to see how they've been trending recently as well. But in the meantime, become a member at fantasynational.com and use slash mayo at the end of it to get yourself a discount if you want to do your own research like i said i will be back on 
Wednesday with a full show, player by player, breaking down each range and really digging into everything to try to find the best picks of the week. All right. Till then, I'm Pat Mayo. Thank you all for watching. I'll see you next time. Pat Mayo experience. Experience.